It's time to name the neglect from typical food advice. Welcome to the Find Your Food Voice podcast, hosted by me, Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian with 20 years of experience partnering with folks just like you on their food peace journey. What have we learned? Well, cookie cutter approaches exclude too many people and you don't need to be fixed. It's not you. It's not me. It's all of us. Only together, we can start a movement and fix diet culture, and we will. Let's begin with now. there. Welcome to episode 316 of Find Your Food Voice. I am your host, Julie Duffy Dillon, and I have an episode coming up that is unlike any other episode in the 316 plus episodes that we've had over the last, how many years has it been? Six years, I think, for the whole entirety of Find Your Food Voice. This is a completely different episode, and that makes me really happy. You're going to hear an episode with me and Rachel Popik, who is the community manager at PCOS Power. What we are talking about is meal prepping. When you hear the word meal prep or the phrase rather, meal prep, what comes to mind? You probably are picturing what I'm picturing right now. Matching containers with meticulously measured amounts of food for the week. The reason why we picture that is because diet culture has co-opted meal prepping. So it's all about rules, restriction, and rigidity. It's all about, I can't trust myself and I need to eat less. It really plays into hustle culture, capitalism, food accessibility. We unpack all of that and we hope in a nutshell that it helps you to reframe it. You know, what if meal prepping was not a rigid way of thinking about food and instead was a part of self-care to help your future self be nourished and have access to enough food. So we are going to get to this conversation with Rachel in just a moment. First, we're going to have a quick sponsor break. This episode of Find Your Food Voice is brought to you by my Decoding and Demystifying PCO Carb Cravings webinar. I wish you weren't taught to be ashamed of your PCOS carb cravings. You aren't weak for having them. You aren't gluttonous for eating in response to them either. You aren't doing it wrong. I wish you were taught these carb cravings are insightful. I have noticed there are two different types of PCOS carb cravings that give amazing, distinct intel. I wish you were taught from the get-go that both are to be trusted. Are PCOS carb cravings annoying as fuck? You bet. Should they be ignored or tricked? No way. Let's fix this. I'm putting together a mini training on PCOS carb cravings. It's a bite-sized lesson to help you move from chaotic with cravings to decoding their wisdom. You'll also learn the two different types of PCOS cravings and what they are telling you about your current PCOS symptom management. 
At this free webinar, you also get a peek into PCOS Power. It's an open house tour of all that is included. The learning modules, the community, the workbook, the discount, discounted dispensary, and so much more. And remember, it's free. So if you are interested, go to bit.ly slash PCOS Carb Cravings. Again, it's bit.ly slash PCOS Carb Cravings, and you will get to all the information and a place to sign up. Hey, Rachel, how you doing? I'm great, Julie. I'm excited to be here. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's nice to chat with you, and I'm so excited to talk about meal prep. And full disclosure for the listener, Rachel and I actually had a conversation about meal prep with the other members of the PCOS Power team. Um, you have heard Colleen Bremner on the Diet Culture IRL, but also Yelly Cruz, who does like all the back end and then also the book review um, segments for the show. And... Um, we just were like, let's just talk about meal prep and like our relationship with it and how diet culture has fucked it up. <laughs> so some of the things that we're going to talk about includes insight from Colleen and Yelly. So I just thought it was important to name that because it's not all Rachel and I's ideas. Um, but to get started, I did want to hear from you, Rachel, and your your history with meal prep. Yeah, of course. So I have a, I have a complicated um history with meal prep, as I'm sure many, many people do. Meal prep is so entrenched in diet culture. I used to spend hours like methodically planning meals for the week so that they fit into like these arbitrary restrictions that I had like created and like, you know, fit into these like little perfectly curated little like containers and stuff. And so like cooking was this chore, which is very unlike me because I, I love to cook. Cooking brings mm -hmm. me so much joy and creativity. And so it went from being this thing that I love to this thing that was like a job and it was like very associated with like rules and control and kind of like punishing myself. And as I like worked to loosen diet culture's like grip on me, I was like, I really rebelled against meal prep. I was like, that's like so diety. But then I also realized that if I didn't have enough food in the house, my default was to just like not feed myself to like ignore my hunger cues, mm. which again, mm. went against like the intuitive eating that I was learning. And so I started to kind of experiment with like, what can I keep in the house? How does meal prep look through this like new frame one where I'm like trying to care for my future self instead of like punishing myself one where I'm like, making sure that I have enough food, like have enough food in the house for meals, for snacks, always it looks like more food than I think it's going to. And it looks different mm -hmm. every week at this point, depending on how much time I have to spend in the kitchen. But I always am intentional about doing something at the beginning of the week to set myself up for success. Mm -hmm. So I have enough food. So I'm taking care of myself. Yeah. So what I heard from all that is like, you had a certain definition of meal prep. And it was to make sure that you didn't eat too much, that it was like controlling. Exactly. And you basically, as you started to like identify, oh, I don't want to diet anymore. Um, that part of that diet was also the meal prep, which you didn't really go into it. But like one thing I know about you is like, you said you love cooking, but like, I know you love cooking. Like mm -hmm. it's like probably one of the big things you're supposed to do in your life is to like be a chef and like, so like, it's not like you just love cooking, but like you love cooking. <laughs> so, it's an essential part of my identity. 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it, it it just has even more meaning to me when as I'm like thinking about your your experience because you had to probably mourn the possibility of that identity too. Yeah, definitely. If you couldn't do meal prep anymore because of how meal prep became defined, as you were like morning diets as a way to be the fixer or I don't know how you defined it but like you know dieting was going to be the way to get what you were wanting from it and of course that tool is broken um and but what I heard you say though is that you basically came back to it by redefining it in your own way exactly and yeah you flipped it and it was like but also malleable and it still is Mm -hmm. like it's still this like flexible kind of um, stretchy kind of thing. I don't know. Like it's not just like this rigid and I'm picturing those like boxes that we think of for meal prep. It's not like the rigid square. It's actually all or any. Um, and the other thing I hear too, is like meal prep from went from don't eat, don't eat too much. And this will make sure you don't eat too much to meal prep is going to make sure I have enough. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. From like going from rules and restriction and, and like portion control to mm-hmm. abundance and flexibility and adaptability mm-hmm. and like care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm so like, Oh, how did, how did that happen? Although as I say that, I'm like, I would imagine it's, it was a lot of things that contribute to like that flipping the switch or just like turning gently to look in the other direction and be like, well, wait, maybe I can do it in a different way. You know, um, do you, can you like think of anything that kind of helped that happen? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that the main thing, it was a lot of different things, but I think the main factor that contributed to it was in learning to like recognize hunger and fullness cues in a way that I like hadn't in my adult life. I was noticing like, wow, I'm hungry, but I don't have anything like kind of ready to eat. And so Mm -hmm. then I would just kind of ignore that hunger cue. And I was like, this goes against the kind of anti-diet principles that I'm learning. And I Mm recognize that like something needs to shift here in order Mm -hmm. to, to, to be prepared to feed myself when I'm hungry. And so then I started to kind of experiment and look at like, well, what if meal prep wasn't what we traditionally think of it as, but rather just preparing enough food and whether that be just like going Mm -hmm. to the supermarket on the weekend or having pre-made stuff around so that when I felt hunger cues, I could respond to them and feed myself instead of just ignoring them. Yeah. And I wonder if the listener heard this, but what I heard you say is basically it went to like a place of curiosity because I heard you're like, what if? And that to me is one of the most important parts of whatever non-diet tool you're kind of using, whether it's intuitive eating or mindfulness or whatever, like how can you help your brain or however you like make decisions um, have a come from a place of curiosity instead of, I got to just follow this rule because that's when like intuitive eating or any of those things become just another diet, you know? But, you know, I'm looking at our notes here and we had noted in our brainstorming session with Yelly and Colleen about, hustle culture and capitalism and food accessibility. Um, you want to talk about that part? I mean, that's yeah, like a big part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think so many uh, oppressive structures that we, we talk about and that exist in our world are very tied into white mm-hmm. supremacy and capitalism. Um, but I think 
we were, we were talking with Cal, uh, Colleen and Yelly about how meal prep and diet culture really play into this also like this hustle grinds like mm. you don't have any time to like spend a little time in the kitchen preparing food for yourself during the week because you're always like on the move and working really long hours and all of this stuff and how kind of breaking that cycle also helps to break out of that hustle culture vibe which is mm-hmm. very harmful for most people mm-hmm. um and so like that that is a part of it um and then I think also like the food accessibility portion um of diet culture that we don't all f- often talk about but there's there's amount of privilege and accessibility that has to come along with being able to like meal prep in the traditional diet culture sense and people you know who don't have accessible like access to like fresh organic produce might feel like oh well meal prep is just not for me because like I it what I have doesn't look like what's out there on social media Mm -hmm. and really Mm -hmm. kind of breaking that down and realizing that like meal prepping can look different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, when I picture what I've been taught about meal prepping, it does, it, I, I picture some kind of version of chicken breast with different color peppers. Like I just picture that, you <laughs> yeah. know, I and, chicken and broccoli. Yeah. Chicken and broccoli would probably be my second one. Yeah. And the thing about um, food as like generally as a population and of people is like we all have different levels of accessibility and especially um, if someone does not have access to uh, produce like we're describing they may have access to like canned vegetables frozen vegetables um, and I wish you know the meal prep culture included more of those. Um, and one, um, person who has talked a lot about this is someone who is, um, uh, Ellen Satter, who's a dietitian and a therapist. She has a book called, uh, feeding a healthy family or feeding your healthy family. I know something like that. And I will be transparent. And Ellen Satter is not always someone I agree with because of how she talks about higher weight bodies. And, um, and she has a section in this book that it basically is intended for anyone who doesn't know how to cook and wants to start having like family meals. Um, and the, and I was one of those people. Like I remember like trying basically be like, Oh my gosh, I need to like cook for a family and I don't know how to cook and I don't like cooking, but I'm a dietitian. I know that's weird, but she basically was like, um, start going to fast food and just like bringing it home and eating at the table. Um, she would talk about getting, um, she had like these recipes that were all just from canned stuff, like canned everything in there and, um, teaching you how to do it. Um, and from there it like built up my confidence. I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, that's what I needed is just like some basic confidence and some basic skills to then, if I wanted to expand into different ways I could. Um, and I could still have these like super like reliable shelf stable things. And so I went off on a tangent, but (laughs) just to say that like part of what we think we want to do is like reclaiming that like food um, accessibility needs to be a part of the conversation and not this exception, but more like needs to be a part of it. Um, And the other thing with the hustle culture thing, again, it's like, we're like trying to prep this food in advance so we can be better performing 
for other people instead of like, I want to make sure I'm taking care of myself for me, not for like to help me with my like production ability, you know? So yuck. (laughs) No wonder we're like (laughs) repelled, you know, boo capitalism, boo capitalism. Well, so to take this a little bit further, um, Rachel and I came up with five, like our top five ways to meal prep using your food voice. And if you're like, what the hell is a food voice? <laughs> it is, uh, there's three concepts to it. Um, it is defying diet culture, declaring body liberation and finding your peace. So in a nutshell, it's like f- ways for you to move away from dieting and also, reclaim how you want to live your life and manage like your body, you know, whether it's, and by manage, I don't mean, you know, a problem to be solved, but like, how are you going to live with your body and finding tools to feel whatever you want to feel, whether it's more energy or have more ability to rest, you know, um, I know I'm missing out other options too, but anyway, so that's your food voice. So the first of the five I have is prioritize healing. That is a big difference. Like when you were describing your experiences with meal prep, um, the prioritization was like, I got to like have less. And I think that's what we all hear about meal prep. It's like a way to make sure that I don't overeat. Those were bunny ears that I didn't use even in real life. But like overeat is a word that makes like every cell in my body just like cringe. Um, and prioritizing healing is a really great way to like help you have unconditional permission to explore meal prepping on your own terms. Um, I don't know. What does that, what does that mean to you? Like if you prioritize healing in the meal prep kind of conversation? I think it goes back to, we were talking about switching meal prep to be this thing that kind of becomes flexible and adaptable and creative. And so like, Meal prep doesn't have to fit into those neat little containers. It will look different Mm -hmm. for everyone and it will look different for you on like a weekly, monthly, daily basis. And so sometimes to me, like that means like, you know, realizing I have a really busy week ahead of myself, so I should probably pick up a bunch of frozen ready to go meals that Mm -hmm. I have quickly to feed myself or maybe like my snack like stockpile is kind of, you know, not, not where I want, like where I want it to be. And so I need to like stock up on Mm -hmm. snacks or maybe that means like washing produce so that you don't have to like deal with that when you go to like cook your food or like cook, you know, a big pot of lentils. So you have some protein for the week. And so I think really internalizing the fact that like, you have the unconditional permission to make meal prepping look like whatever it needs to look like so that you're nourishing your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I often think about like, how can I succeed at prioritizing me getting enough to eat this week? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I shop for my family. So it, I may even include that too. Like, how can I make sure that I have enough? Because like that moment I know you know this moment, Rachel, like opening the fridge and you're like hangry and there's Mm -hmm. like really not enough for a meal or maybe not enough like like when you're meal hungry and you need like a burger, you know, like 
achieve yeah. like satisfaction and they're just not, it's just not there. And so how do you actually like make sure, you know, you have enough. And so, you know, that would be like my first kind of tip is like always prioritize healing. I think that's like always the best thing to do is like, how can you prioritize that within what is accessible to you with when your preferences and we hope that you can be flexible with it. We hope that it can be something that like maybe just like rinsing off your produce so you don't have to do it the next day. Like what would help future Julie and Rachel have an easier time, you know? Yeah. So um, this kind of bleeds into the next one. <laughs> um, and the number two is start with a big picture, set yourself up to eat enough. And we noted here, sometimes the meal prep can be as easy as making sure that you have enough food in the house. Um, this is a this is a really tough part, I think, mm-hmm. because we have been socialized, especially those of us who, uh, who are socialized as women and girls. Like we're we're like led to believe that we don't need that much, or we're not supposed to need that much. Totally, that's bullshit. It's such <laughs> bullshit, and I think, I mean. We're when we were having our conversation with Colleen and Yelly, like we had this whole conversation around like that recognizing and and I'm now realizing all of our five like takeaways are they, they all blend together a little bit. They do. But, they have a theme. <laughs> they definitely have a theme, and that is like we're we're told we don't need to eat that much, and that's not true. And like recognizing and learning, like wow, it's okay if I need a snack between breakfast Mm -hmm. and lunch or a few snacks between lunch and dinner. And maybe I need a snack before Mm -hmm. I go to bed. Like you don't have to only eat three meals a day. And so therefore like you need a lot more food than you think you do. And so when you go to the grocery Mm -hmm. store and you're really feeding yourself and maybe you look in your cart and you're like, wow, this is like way too much food. Know that it's probably not like it's Mm -hmm. you you need you need more than you think you're gonna need yeah especially in the beginning I think most of us are gonna think we're buying too much Mm -hmm. and um what's kind of neat about this process is like the more you experience it the more you're better able to guess how much you need yeah. Um, especially the more you like rely on yourself and you trust yourself and you have permission that's unconditional, then you just get better at estimating. Um, if you've read intuitive eating, they talk a lot about that in there, like that there's usually more food waste in the beginning because we need to have enough like that needs to be the priority in order to, to heal. And whenever I think about this, this also like brings that accessibility part of the conversation to the forefront and like some parts of the meal prep conversation like we're talking about now, like um, is going to have a level of privilege to it. Like getting, buying more than enough is not going to be an option for some folks. And, you know, we just have to name that. And if there was like an easy solution that we could fit in a 20 minute podcast, then there would be no food insecurity. I don't know. Like it's just, it's not, um, I think we did name it capitalism and hustle culture. Like that's, that's it right there. But um yeah, I think it's it's something that, um, again, like honoring that having some really shelf-stable, lower-cost foods is going to make this doable for everyone and also may make it actually like accessible for many people. So 
yeah, we hope you have that. And also like you noted here in the notes that we haven't really said yet, I don't think, is that meal prep doesn't require cooking. Yeah. Like, this may not be any cooking at all. You know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like so easy. You right. maybe more food assembling is really what it is, you know. Yeah. It doesn't – meal prepping doesn't ever have to mean, like, turning on your stove or your oven at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned something that I uh, wanted just to, like, say again. Like, when you go to the grocery store, make sure you get, like, some meals that are really, really easy to make. Mm-hmm. And it's something, like, when I was working with people one-on-one that I would often say as they were kind of getting to this part of their – um, like developing their food voices, like practicing what they needed to get at the grocery store. And I was like, every time you go try, pick up at least one thing that is like a ready to go meal, like some frozen thing you can just pop in the microwave, like a frozen lasagna. Um, I don't know, just something that's like, literally it will just take like three minutes because even if your week looks like abundant space, shit always hits the fan. <laughs> yeah. Or true. you just may need a break. You may like nothing better to me than like, I look at like what I have as dinner options and be like, Oh, tonight can be an easy night. I like the frozen, um, Trader Joe mini tacos are one of my uh-huh. favorite things. I'm like, <laughs> yes, I have these. Oh my gosh. That's so great. Um, and I usually like have salsa, sour cream and some avocado, I found some frozen avocado slices at Costco. So I'm like, all set. It's all there. All set. It's all there. And maybe have some rice with it. Yeah, that's it. But anyway, so I just want to make sure I mentioned that. Like, it doesn't even have to include meal prep. And if you don't enjoy cooking, like me, unlike Rachel, you know, maybe that'll help make it more accessible to you as well. Like, you don't have to actually do the, the cooking. It's just like planning, really. Yeah. Anyway. Um, let's move on to number three. So the next one is about being flexible, which picturing the meal prep that diet culture has provided to us, um, nothing is flexible. It's like Pinterest, Instagram, pretty, and they're like bento boxes or whatever boxes they're using. And again, it's chicken with some kind of non-starchy vegetable. <laughs> um, and so it like has this one look. And so be flexible about how meal prep looks. Meal prepping will look different for everyone and can change from week to week. It can look different, you know? So yeah, what do you have to, what do you think about that, Rachel? What comes to mind for you? I mean, so for me personally, the way I look at this is, you know, I think about what's kind of coming up on the docket for me for the week ahead. And Mm -hmm. so you know, we, we've talked a lot about like stocking up on those kind of like ready to go things. But even if, even if I'm going to have a busy week and I know I have like a few hours on the weekend to get some cooking done, I'm like still repulsed by the idea of eating like the same lunch every single day. Like I'm going to get so bored with that. And so for me, what that looks like is preparing a few different like staples that can be adapted into different meals. So it's never, even when I'm like cooking over the weekend to have food for the week, I'm not making, you know, chicken pad thai for lunch for four days Mm -hmm. in a row. I'm, you know, maybe like searing some chicken that like I can use in a salad and maybe in a sandwich one day or, you know, maybe shred it up into a pasta. I'm like, 
roasting some vegetables and making like a sauce that will kind of like zhuzh up some, some basic stuff that I can use in multiple different ways. So mm-hmm. I'm never, or rarely, I should say, I mean, I always, I always have some sort of like hyper fixation meal that I'm eating a lot, but that's, <laughs> that's because but it like, changes, <laughs> but it changes. And that's because I'm choosing to do so. Like I'm, I don't yeah. ever kind of box myself into to being like, oh crap, I have to eat X meal again. I'm so sick of it, but like, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I love about how you frame meal prepping. Cause I don't think we mentioned this. Like part of why we were talking about this is because in PCOS power in the middle of the 12 week program, we have a meal prep kind of, um, cooking class. And we kind of made it also into like a mini retreat as well. But, you know, that is something that is totally different in the way, the way that when I looked at like the first time you did it, all the things that you were making and then how it was all then going to go into making all these different things. I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, she's doing it different because I will admit, thankfully someone in my house loves leftovers, but I don't like eating leftovers. And part of that I think is really kind of common. I mean, I don't want to call myself normal (laughs) because that feels not right. (laughs) But like, um, I think for most of us, like food, when it gets boring, it becomes, it, there's like a safety to it, but it's also boring. And so for you, the listener, as you're trying to like find your own peace with food, um, it may need some level of excitement. You know, you may actually like want to have something different because that's, new and it feels good. And, you know, meal prepping and the diet culture sense is so like the same and you're going to eat this for lunch every day. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> kind of going off of that, especially when you're like learning to, to refeed yourself and like learn to enjoy food again, if you have time over the weekend, something that's great to do is like pick a recipe or two that you're excited about and just like make sure you have those ingredients on hand so you can try them throughout. Mm-hmm. The week. There's a, a certain chef that you name a lot in PCOS Power, What's Julia Tertian. I adore. Okay, her. <laughs> let's put a link to her stuff in the in the show notes. Um, does she use she her pronouns? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And um, because, like, I think of um, even like a, a recipe that you're drawn to. I'm like, oh, I don't even know where I would start, especially for someone who maybe is like newer to this conversation, it can be kind of threatening to like open up a cookbook because so many of them are focused on like diet and eating less. So uh, I knew you had someone that you could name. (laughs) That would be like a good place to go to. Um, Okay. So let's go to number four. I believe that's where we are. Um, The next one is it's okay to change your mind just because you prepared something to eat. If you don't want to eat it, don't force yourself to. <laughs> I think that is so important. And I know we've kind of touched on, touched on it a little bit, but like, again, I picture like the drudgery of like, I have to eat the same thing or you, um, I do my like grocery list on the weekend. And so by the time it's like Thursday, I may not want the same thing that I was thinking I was going to want on Thursday. Is that what you mean by like, yeah, I mean, cravings, okay with changing your mind? Cravings change. And some, I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. even if I cook like, I, I think I keep going back to a pot of beans as an example because that's just such a staple in my life. But you like, dig those, I know. <laughs> I, do, I do. But like, you know, even if I'm 
if I'm eating them a bunch of different ways, I might still get to Thursday and be like, I really don't want beans anymore. Like I'm really Mm -hmm. kind of sick of them and learning that it's okay to not like force yourself to eat them just because you have them. And, you know, I have a lot of like guilt that I hold around food waste and and we do have a a massive food waste problem, um, especially in this country, but learning that also like, just because you're sick of a food, a doesn't mean that it's like bad and maybe Mm -hmm. you have a neighbor or a friend or a family member who's around who totally wants to like try something you've made. And that's also like caring for other people Mm -hmm. or, you know, in Philadelphia where I am, we're super lucky that we have a bunch of local community fridges that are open 24 seven to, to people in the community. And they accept home cooked meals as long as you, you know, label them with the ingredients and stuff. So kind of to alleviate that guilt around not eating things that like you've already prepared. A, it's okay to do that every once in a while. No one's perfect. Mm -hmm. Like we're all going to have food waste, but also Mm -hmm. consider different ways that you can share those meals with other people. So you don't Mm -hmm. have to eat them yourself because you're sick of them, Mm -hmm. but you're also caring about someone else. Well, that's how I also figured out like some things I could freeze I just had to like experiment with it when I got sick of something. Um, it's because some things I would freeze and then I'd try to eat again. I'm like, oh, this did not. This is obviously not freezable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, one of my favorite things is my neighbor. She'll text me every once in a while and be like, "The soup fairy just left you a present on your doorstep." Because she does that. She'll like make a huge pot of some kind of bean soup. Um, she eats a lot of beans too. Y'all would really get along. And uh, so she is, you know, she's like, I is she asked me once, she's like, is it ever is it okay to like every once in a while leave you some if I've just like eaten to the point where I can't, I don't want to have them anymore? I'm like, yeah, I I love that, you know? So it brings me so much joy to get that text to be like, oh my gosh, thanks. Cause then for me, that's like dinner the next night. Exactly. <laughs> so like I don't have I just have to heat it up. Um anyway, so Let's move on to number five. And, you know, with meal prep, the word meal is in there. But number five is a reminder that it's not just meals. It could also be snacks. Because getting enough, especially in the beginning, it's going to be hard to estimate. And um, for many people, like snacks is the only way that they get enough food. And again, like when you're kind of newer to like trying out this non-diet way and trying to figure out what your food voice is, like um, you may sometimes not eat as much as your body needed at a meal and then realize like 30 minutes later, hour later, oh, wait, I'm actually like, you still hungry or hungry again. And so making sure you have the snacks that you need, I think is, is so key. Um, yeah. I don't know. What, what about snacks for you? What, what? What does that bring for you into like the meal prep conversation? I think for me, you know, I am a person who lives with PCOS and I have found that like, you know, with like many people with PCOS, I need to eat more frequently than three meals. Like if I don't Mm -hmm. eat every three hours, like it really kind of throws my body into a whack and like Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel great. And so for me learning to like always keep snacks on hand and like, you know, have them in every purse or like tote bag that I carry Mm -hmm. around, have them in the car, like have them all over the place so that I'm never without snacks is Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. like really critical to me managing my PCOS symptoms. And I think diet culture really like has stolen snacking from us, which is a shame mm-hmm. because there are so many delicious snacks out there. And mm-hmm. so I think just even though we're calling this meal prepping, we are really, really also including snacking within that. And it's normal to have snacks between meals. Snacks are delicious. There shouldn't Mm -hmm. be guilt associated with snacking between meals. And think about the snacks that you want when you're planning your food for the week. Yeah. Yeah. Make that a part of it. Again, like how can you help your future self have access to enough food um, for the next little while? Because like, only a nourished brain is going to be able to be able to like take care of all this shit around us, right? <laughs> we need to be fully fed, fully fed, fully fed. <laughs> With fully, maybe fuel. Food is <laughs> food is fuel. Whatever. Yeah, you all know what we're talking about. And yeah, so those are our top five ways to take back meal prep and. Um, you know, some of the things that I think are important that you, you just said there um, a few seconds ago about like diet culture has taken so much from us, snacks, I was thinking vegetables, mm-hmm. movement, and also meal prep. So we hope this conversation helps you to take back just like caring for yourself and nourishing yourself as a part of that and helps it to be a little bit more accessible. Um, before we wrap up, any final thoughts or Anything else that I maybe um, left out that we wanted to talk about? Um, Just to say that I'm really excited that we're having a conversation about um, reclaiming meal prep. I think that it's it's not something that's talked about as often in anti-diet spaces. And I think it's it's, uh, an activity that can be pretty liberating. And so I hope you all as listeners... um, you know, give it a try. See see what it looks like for you. And remember, like, it'll look different for everyone, but that is okay. Yeah, it is okay. Well, let's leave it at that. Thanks, Rachel, so much. Thanks, Julie. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rachel Popick all about reclaiming meal prepping to add it to your self-care instead about it being something to make sure you're eating less. What if instead we could turn it on its head and have it be a, a way to help us make sure we're getting enough? We wonder how you... I don't know. We're wondering how you experienced this episode. What did you think? Did we miss something? Do you have something to say? We totally want to hear from you. Shoot us an email at info at juliedillonrd.com and we can't wait to read what you have to say. This episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast was brought to you by our free PCOS Carb Creating Craving webinar that is going on right now. You can get to all the details in the show notes or by going to bit.ly slash PCOS Carb Cravings. Again, it's bit.ly slash PCOS Carb Cravings. And again, the link to it will be in the show notes. And I really hope that we can connect in that free training. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope that you can share it with someone that you know is also trying to reclaim 
just providing enough food for themselves to help them either to recover or to reject diet culture. We'd love it if you could share it on your social media. Um, Just spread the message that, yeah, we can reclaim meal prep too, just like where you reclaimed vegetables and movement and, you know, all the things that diet culture has taken from us, we can reclaim it and use it for helping us to nourish ourselves instead of being this rigid kind of tool to keep us small. All right. So that's all for this episode. Um, I feel like I keep talking about it forever and ever, but we will wrap up. But I look forward to catching up with you next week on the next episode of Find Your Food Wise. But until then, take care. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Ready to join the anti-diet movement and take the Food Voice Pledge? Go to julieduffydillon.com and sign your name to the growing list of people saying no to diets and yes to their own food voice. The Find Your Food Voice podcast is produced by me, Julie Duffy Dillon, and my team of kick-ass folks. I couldn't make the show without Yelly Cruz, assistant producer and resident book feed, and Colleen Bremner, customer service coordinator and professional hype master. Audio editing is from Toby Lyles at 24 Sound. Music is Fly Free by Hartley. Are you looking for episode transcripts? Get them at julieduffydillon.com, where you can also submit letters for the podcast, give us feedback, and sign the Food Voice Pledge. We need your voice to end diet culture. We literally can't do this without you. Subscribe to the Find Your Food Voice podcast to get weekly inspiration and education on how we can defeat diet culture and reclaim our own food voice. I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Take care.